Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups Fallowfield and Mason. In this episode, we hear from Rebecca Masri, MBE, founder of the private members hotel club, Little Emperors. Little Emperors uses unparalleled travel technology to secure the best rates for its members at a hotel groups including Rocco Forte and Rosewood. Following a career of almost 10 years in investment banking and private wealth management, Rebecca founded her company in 2009 following the crash to pursue her love for travel. Alongside scaling her business, Rebecca was also awarded an MBE in 2012 for her services to charity. Rebecca shares with us her advice for new founders on why it's important to start at any time in an economic crisis and why risks should be taken, but calculated ones. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your time today on How to Start Up. It would be wonderful if you could introduce yourself and the business that you started. Good morning. I'm Rebecca, and I'm the founder of Little Emperors. When did you start Little Emperors? Little Emperors was actually founded in 2009 and has been invested in technology in the last six years. So what do you offer your clients? Little Emperors is a travel membership club, which gives access to our members to a range of discounts and benefits at luxury hotels around the world. We are able to negotiate our benefits based on our booking volumes and assure our clients have the lowest rates and the most relevant and real benefits in hotels. Our benefits include aspects like breakfast, upgrades, hotel credits, and really are able to extend value to our clients as they travel around the world. And why did you start your own business? I've always loved to travel. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel for me, travel has been the best real life form of education. Most of my favorite memories include traveling and creating Little Emperors, a travel club, has been quite the journey especially recently. I'm sure and how were the last two years for you? Definitely an interesting challenge for anyone in the hospitality industry and well for anyone anywhere really. It's been a lot of opportunities and a lot of challenges. Opportunities predominantly in actually people and we have taken the investment decision to hire smart in the last couple of years and really invest in the talent. Talent that was available to us and using the investments into the people we were able to have actually advanced our technology quite quite quickly based on the fact there was probably nothing much else to do so our tech has really taken the front seat over the last couple of years in our business journey and that presumably has really set you up now that the world's coming back to travel we hope so yes that's the idea (laughs) And is there any particular way that you went through working out what tech you needed to support your business? Because I imagine a lot of founders will will know they want efficiencies or automation or how did you go about identifying what you needed? It's interesting because I'm actually not of tech background. I'm working in luxury travel for so many years and also having gone through this pandemic, it's actually personal connections if the pandemic has proven anything it's our desire for human connection which cannot really be replaced by the digital experience the interesting 
journey that we've taken from Little Emperors is combining the luxury travel experience with digitalization, with technology through the booking process and finding the balance between the two, which we strive to daily. Mm-hmm. A sector that's traditionally characterized by the human connections now providing the same valuable aspects through more touchless methods and a much more digitalized world. And for us, our client base being predominantly a younger client base, we have 95% of our members are under the age of 45, I guess, putting them in that millennial bracket, wanting a more technologically advanced, less talking, more visuals, more content driven approach to any of their decision-making journeys and booking travel being one of them. And for Little Emperors to have to have caught up, stayed ahead of that trend. The biggest focus for us this year is content, web content, app content. I think in the luxury travel sector, a lot of the hotel websites have very bad or old images, lack of room detail. And over the last several months, we've been collecting relevant information on the hotels and on the room specifically, which we will present to our client through our content-driven app so that they have room-specific images, hotel-specific information, and we'll be able to filter search in a way that will eliminate to a certain extent that human connection, which would normally have come from calling a concierge, calling a travel agent and asking for their advice and actually being able to see it all through the app and website. Amazing. See the floor plans, get to video content at room level, video content at hotel level, and that would enable them to make decisions based on content-driven information. And you started, I believe, off the back of the financial crisis in 2008-9, and then you've obviously survived a pandemic as well with a travel business. What is it about the negative market that has appealed to you? It's interesting that it presents opportunities, and I think it's the mentality of being able to work that negativity in a way that presents opportunities to a bigger business. The 2008 financial crash left hotels without much of their corporate business. Many of the larger corporations cut their association with anything luxury. And one of the biggest impacts was on corporate travel, where the traditional hotel programs, which may well have been that five-star luxury, changed quite dramatically overnight to a less expensive, less luxury hotel. And the more luxury hotels were left without the corporate clients that they had become so used to. The hotels were left in a position that they would need to, in fact, try to encourage business through channels they may not have considered. So when I started Little Emperors and I asked hotels personally for corporate rate, pre-2008, it would have always just been a no because I was never the traditional channel. I'm not a business, I was me. And hotels were able to think out the box a bit more, which gave us the opportunity to actually create Little Emperors as a membership club for people who wanted to have access to rates which were not associated any longer with their perhaps corporate travel programs. And at the same time, the boom in SMEs allowed people to travel more who may not have had those volumes directly. So would you encourage people to seek opportunity in a time of crisis? The big question, it could go either way. Definitely, I think in time, what goes up goes down and vice versa. (laughs) I definitely think there will always be an opportunity somewhere, but I do 
necessarily encourage people to go out and look for crises to yeah. seek advantage. But yes, yeah. definitely, there's a there's definitely a potential. We yeah. always try to look for the opportunities. Given your time, is there anything you go back and not do again? When I started my business, having come from a corporate environment since graduating, I was very much engaged and involved in planning, financial planning, modelling, and I think probably too consumed in it. I spent nights in front of my computer working out, you know, forecasts, and actually none of them happened. (laughs) Not to say not to plan, you must always plan, but I think planning is so hard at the startup level that often what you are planning doesn't happen anyway, and I think the business should be the focus, the actual goals in the business instead of the financials at the beginning if you have the ability to do that within your business model. If someone's thinking about starting a business what would you advise them to do first? Someone starting a business needs to be comfortable with risk and also do something that they love and I know that sounds cliche but it contributes so significantly to success if you're able to do something that you love and that works for you. I think you need to sell it before you build it. Someone told me that a while back and it really made me think about my own business model how would I sell this how would I sell my membership to someone before I build it before I go and invest all that money and people and technology what's my sales pit when I started Little Emperors it was a very much multi-category lifestyle membership club that got you discounts not just in hotels but in beauty outlets shops restaurants and once I met this man and he asked me what do you do and I think it took me about half an hour to explain we have this we have that to the point that I got confused myself and actually found that best way for our business model was to actually fine-tune what we did offer and I wanted to only offer one thing and that one thing to be the thing that we were really good at and I really loved so I ended up removing 90% of what we'd built at the beginning and just focusing on the hotels, the hotels being the key drive. So when someone thinks about Little Emperors and their membership, or maybe they want to get a membership, the thought process goes towards, oh, that's the membership club that gets me really great deals in luxury hotels. And it's a lot easier. So you had to undo absolutely the work. You'd done a lot of investment and absolutely. time and energy that you just went, actually, absolutely. we're going to it. And when you cut it, were you completely at peace with the fact? It's like, right, that's the lesson learned. Just focus, do one thing and do it really, really well. A hundred percent. And another thing also that we probably should have done earlier was actually go into the tech side of things. And technology has never really been anything that I was familiar with. And several of my friends had said to me, look, get into tech. You're a travel company now. And I just thought, well, that's really confusing. And went and actually met lots of different tech agencies in the UK and not just in the UK and felt, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. And like many other entrepreneurs who are building tech, I'm sure the price isn't right. It can't possibly cost that much, but I wouldn't know any better because I'm not a tech person. So we eventually took that plunge in technology and found a really great fit for our company and outsourced our tech build. And that was much later on in the business journey that being said when it comes to travel travel technology is pretty archaic as it stands so although we started later on in our business journey we're pretty much ahead of the game when it comes to our tech we have a fully integrated ai we really are relevant with the technology that we are presenting to our clients and we're looking at new ways of hotel payments not just through regular currencies so again I think technology for us was underestimated at the beginning and then really quickly picked up that brings me to my next question of what should somebody if they've started be thinking about doing next in terms of in a year's time two years time I think it's about weaknesses as well the strengths so 
you know yourself. And I think as an entrepreneur, I was so excited to start my own business. I figured I could just do everything. And actually, as I grew my business, I realized that there's many, many aspects, obviously, that I can't do. And it's about hiring smart into those positions that will complement what my capabilities are limited to. How do you hire smart can you answer every founder's burning question? Because a lot of people have been looking at me going, oh, you're at the people point now. And I'm like, why do you say it like that? And then I soon found out what they meant. And it's very hard to find the right people and also know what they're going to be capable of until they get going. Like, do you have any advice on recruitment? It's really challenging. And (laughs) that says it all. (laughs) There's a few things we take into consideration. The most important thing on our side is culture, actually work ethic and culture more so than talent. We started off with a much smaller team. Now we're quite large and we're 47 in our business now. And it was the cultural fit that worked the best that ended up doing the best in our team. And we're still, although not a startup, we still consider ourselves in that sort of startup bracket and startup culture. And to have someone who comes on board and is able to just connect with the rest of the team, for us is the biggest and most important part of the hiring process, followed by talent. And I think not a lot of companies will say it that way around. We have taken on people at all levels who don't even have a travel background. The new generation of people who want to get into the travel industry. A lot of what we do is learn on the job. It's learn as you're meeting people, experiencing, etc. Except the tech, which involves an enormous amount of skill. But on the marketing, partnership, membership, reservation side, a lot of it happens in the role you're doing. So for me, the most important is a cultural fit with the rest of the team. The right energy, the right philosophy... Someone who's driven, who's got the same end goals, the same moral outlook, the same work ethics, and then talent. Is there any practical advice how you screen for that? It's really challenging. The first interview is with myself, and then I screen out most of the candidates and present the finalists to the members of my team with whom they will be working closest with. We split into different areas. So if I'm hiring someone in reservations, I will connect them on interview with one or two of the more senior members of that team for them to feel comfortable with that person before we hire them. They will have the final decision, not me. And I think that's important because from a management perspective, I'm not the person who's working on a daily basis with that hire necessarily. I think it's so important, isn't it? Also to give your team, existing team members a say in it. It's their day to day as well. And as you said, if you're not day, if you're not managing that person daily, then it's great that the other person in your team has that decision make at the final final hurdle. Yes, and I think that's important because we really, I would really like my team to stay with me for many, many years. And luckily, they have. We've had the same members of the team for years from the very early stages of the business, and a lot of that is to do with our culture in the office. I actually get upset if I get an email from someone after office hours. Which sounds strange, but... Yeah, I'm the same. It's like, what are you doing? Checking your emails. Everyone has a, a burnout <laughs> point. And I think if yeah. someone is really... I know, of course, if it's urgent, I would be great. But just to be working at night, although you love your job, you'll end up burning out at some point. Mm. And I do want that. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that, given how many hats you have to wear and how much time you spend on the business, how do you find time to do it all? Are there any efficiency hacks that you could share with new founders? 
I genuinely am struggling with that myself, especially <laughs> recently. I don't know. Um, I was pretty efficient at, you know, the time for self-care uh, pre-pandemic. And then I probably lost myself a little bit just from the stress of owning a business and mm. being responsible for so many people. But we've actually been, we've had quite a good journey. We are membership fee-based. So our revenues have been sustained throughout the pandemic by actually the membership fees that continue to come in. The membership fee is quite low. It's only it's £250 a year. So we didn't really have a lot of cancellations over the pandemic. And we had quite a lucky business model specifically built for a pandemic. So if something did close, we'd still have revenue coming in. So we were quite lucky. But of course, I still took on an awful lot of stress with that. Efficiency hacks, I think, is actually to be able to self-care is important for everyone. It actually makes me more efficient if I've taken a bit of time for myself. And when you own a business, and especially someone like me who's so enthusiastic and so driven, it's challenging to sometimes say, oh, actually, let me just go and do this for myself and put my laptop away. And that's been my struggle for the last couple of years specifically when I'm under the pressure that we've been under in this industry from a management perspective. I can't put my laptop away and I'm consumed by guilt. Oh, should I be doing this? Actually, I should have done that spreadsheet instead. But I think self-care is really, really critical and it's contribute to the efficiency of any leader in any business if they have healthy well-balanced, well-grounded management making decisions on that business on a daily basis. So that would be my hack, if any. But I'm also trying to learn that myself. (laughs) I'm very much trying to practice what I preach. And with my team, I'm telling them one thing and then I'm doing another. And I think for me, it's been really important to learn what makes me tick. Like I know I'm a nicer human being if I do regular exercise to the point where colleagues know the difference now between the one that's worked out and the one that hasn't. But I think whatever it might be, if it's a walk or reading a book or travel or whatever re-energizes you, you're so right to look after your personal self before your professional self. But when you're the business owner, that's very difficult, isn't it, to draw that line? Like, What will make you put the laptop lid down and do something else? I think pre-pandemic me is different to current me. And yes, the walk is important. And actually, luckily, I have a little dog who requires walk. So he's actually been a great lifesaver. So we walk him, obviously, four times a day. And perhaps without him needing that walk, mm. I wouldn't have done it. So it's having a mandatory call on your time. For me, it's definitely going to a sunny climate and living somewhere else for a while. Because I know a swim and some sunshine will always, always be a bigger pull than sitting in an office in a grey city. Well, that in itself has actually been contributed to keeping travel alive over the last couple of years. I also spent a significant portion of the last two years away, working away. The slow travel, I love. I absolutely love because it means you can have a two hour holiday and then come back to your laptop and then another two hours somewhere else. And you don't have to have a week of running around seeing everything and then come home and flop. I think it's definitely the way I see the benefit. Yes, absolutely. And you'll start to see hotels adjusting to it. Um, Mm, I was recently staying at the Four Seasons in Lisbon and as I checked in they presented me with a menu which I thought was food but actually no it was a menu of work from hotel and you could actually select with no charge whatsoever a um, monitor a desk chair a light Mm. for your screen everything that was work related and they would bring it to your room even and also wellness they had the yoga mats etc and they would bring it and set up an office in your room for you and we started to see that everywhere 
done, we saw that even we were in the Seychelles over Christmas and the same menu was presented to us. It's a blend, isn't it, between where hotels are losing out to short-term rentals because people would want to go and stay in a short-term rental to be able to cook. Hotels Absolutely. need to regain that market share. And also long-term rates, if you've got someone, housekeeping costs go down, it, it makes perfect sense especially to me who's self-employed and has this freedom and autonomy. I was going to ask, what is the biggest freedom that you've now afforded yourself being self-employed? Well, I guess the freedom to travel. I remember when I first left my job in banking, I remember calling my sister one day and it was really late at night and it was freezing cold outside. And I said, Charlotte, do you want to just go somewhere? (laughs) She's like, are you crazy? She was out. I said, yeah, let's just go to the airport and go somewhere. And I actually went to collect her from, I think, a nightclub at the time. And we drove to the airport together and just took a flight out. And I know that sounds... Where did you go? We actually went to Tel Aviv. And she fell asleep on the plane and woke up not knowing where she was how she got there. It's quite funny. But it was just that (laughs) sense of complete freedom. Like, I don't need to log my holiday days anymore. I don't need to tell anyone where I am. And that was the freedom Mm. to be able to do there at that time, years ago, to be able to actually go. Any last golden nugget pieces of advice you would like to offer a new founder? Trying to predict what happens with your business and just going with it and taking risks, but calculated risks the most important drive that I would highlight as a business owner. Every day, there's decisions to make, there's risks to take. And the risks that you are taking are not just for yourself. Once you have a team behind you, they're on behalf of a whole team, investors, employees, members in our case. And when you have the responsibility to take risks and protect the people who have believed or invested in your business, but at the same time, be able to actually push your business forward, it's that balance between calculating the correct level of risk, which is something that I work on daily. And as a piece of advice for a new business founder, it's that balance of being able to accept the risks you take and the risks you don't take to drive your business forward acceptance at that level is really important and i'm saying that is a, a vague piece of advice and i hope that it applies to all different areas and all different businesses and all different sizes fantastic thank you so much rebecca it's been wonderful chatting to you and learning everything about little emperors thanks so much for the opportunity of having me on this it's been really great to meet you and i hope to speak if you'd like to contact Rebecca, you'll find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.